Here's Duchesne, curling on the left circle. Yossi has shot the score! Roman Yossi put it to the net, and it trickled in 37 seconds into the third to tie it up. Yossi, top of the slot, to the left side, and a shot by Benino is stopped there by Dubnik, and then the net stop by Adam <laughs> goes in the net. <laughs> Predators retake the lead. Off the board, Yannick Weber's stick just exploded as he took the shot, and now here's Zucker with a breakaway, coming on, Rene makes the stop! Did not get it around Watson first time. Now in front, Zucker and Rene made a glove save. You have got to be kidding me. And Stahl pokes the puck up, not out. Held in Arvidsson off the skate, and now Smith the shot, no. And Arvidsson scores! Victor Arvidsson converts! Scramble down. 92 seconds to go. Here's Ekholm. Ekholm has Forsberg in front of the score. Predators win their season opener here tonight by scoring four third period goals to take the game 5-2. And we welcome you into a Friday edition of Morning Drive off and running live here. ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise, as you heard the melodious beautiful tones of mr pete weber as the preds win their season opener by a score of five to two and rage against the machine there as well excellent job there quality work marquise the melodious tones uh matt duchene on pace for 276 assists boys is that an overreaction um no but jeremy pruitt did say what days can we 46 what days can we overreact he's We can't overreact on Fridays, but David Poyle... Oh, did I not tell you guys this? No. David Poyle told me on Smashville Live on Wednesday that we could overreact on Fridays. So, Jeremy Pruitt has given us Monday to... Oh, what what days? Yeah. Okay. 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 There's a little gap in his week, but you you get his point. Yeah, and then David Poyle and Brian Poyle both said, yes, you can totally overreact on Friday after after game one. Okay. So we we basically now have all five days given to us by both Jeremy Pruitt and the front office of the Predators that we are now allowed to overreact. And according to a source, Mike Vrabel will soon give us Saturday and Sundays. So we'll have all, all seven every, days I, of the week. Yeah, every day of the week. I, I need, can I, I don't want that. <laughs> well, you can overreact from home. Want, I don't want, no. I, I need some days where I just act like a normal human. I, don't, okay. I, I need a couple days where we don't overreact. Uh, 246 assists. Matt Duchesne's on pace for it. That would be a record. I, I would say it was a good debut. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're not going to get a goal, you might as well get three assists. And they win 5-2 last night. Ryan Ellis, Austin Watson, Mikael Granlund, Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg with the goals. Duchesne, three assists. Pekka stops 22 of 24. Uh, the only negative, I would say, was the power play, 0 for 3, which is something we're going to track every game. <laughs> yeah, I'm rightfully o- overreact. Rightfully slow. So, I don't think that's overreact, uh, overreaction because the power play hadn't been good for a year and one game. Um, so, but even with all that, that tells, that shows you how, how good this team can potentially be. And again, we get to overreact. They're going 82 and 0 and, <laughs> and they're going to win every award imaginable to man. Um, so, but even with having the opportunities to have a man advantage, uh, they still were able to win the game five two. Um, They're on pace for four hundred and ten goals. Yeah, just this year. just think if also they can 
sort of work out whatever it is with this power play. If they can work that out, what they're able to do on, you know, five on five, um, this could be a very dangerous team. But, you know, every team has its flaw. And I guess this is the flaw at this particular moment uh, for the Nashville Predators. We, we talk about secondary scoring. They got a goal from each and every line. So how about that for getting that offensive balance that they've so desperately been seeking? Yeah, Granlin and Forsberg both score. And, and again, I know the, the, the front office and the coaching staff making it very clear this week, especially in interviews on this show, that there's not a first line and a second line. It's two firsts. And I see their point. There, there are two lines that are basically even, and both of them played very well. Kyle Turris played. He was far more active last night than I think. You know, I think that's what we expected from him bouncing. If you if you were in the he's going to bounce back campaign and sort of progress back to the mean of his abilities, that that's what you expect to see. I, I think again. I'm not willing to say that there's anything wrong with the power play after one game and going over three. I, I'm not. There's no way we know anything about that yet. I, here's what else. Here's my takeaway on one game. Th- they were clearly the better team through 40 minutes and trailing two one, which is just sort of hockey sometimes. When you get a bad bounce or a goal goes off Nick Benino's face and it gets called off, called back, you know, it's it just hockey sometimes. It's what makes it frustrating and fun as a sport. They were clearly the better team. They dominated in almost every aspect of the game and were still down 2-1 going into the third. And then they scored four goals and came right out in the third period and played very well. They were clearly the better team uh, uh, across all 60 minutes of that game. Minnesota is supposed to be the worst team in the division. You, you took care of business. You won, You got your two points on your home opener. You hung the banner, You know all this stuff. The fact that they were clearly the better team on almost every shift, you know, that that's kind of what I wanted to see was just go out and pl- play play your brand of hockey, you know, n- power play, assists. We're, it's going to take time before we learn all this stuff about Duchesne and Turris and the power play, but all I know is watching that game last night, they were the better team, and that's what I wanted to see. So, took the wife and girls last night. Now, you mentioned trailing 2-1 after 40 minutes. We decided to make a parental decision uh-huh. about six minutes to go in the second period mm-hmm. that we were going to leave. Mm-hmm. Now, the girls were totally into it. I mean, they were jumping around, dancing. Like, I couldn't believe how invested in much (laughs) they Like, not one thing was too much for them. Not where the seats were, the loudness, the volume. They were in on everything. They were focused on the game, cheering, the whole thing. So we say, you know what? Daddy's got to get up at 4.30. you got to go to school. We're going to leave. They're ticked about it. Oh. So we're leaving. It's one nothing Preds. So we get out of the arena, get to the Music City Center, get out of the Music City Center, Turn on the game, I hear the beginning of or the end of the second period intermission report, and I hear Darren go, oh, we're coming back after this. It's 2-1 Minnesota Wild. I'm like, we <laughs> just left with five minutes ago. They were winning one nothing. What the heck happened? Well, and if you had waited three more minutes, it might have been 3-2 Preds. <laughs> well, and then we get in the car. They, so, score, they score two goals. We right get away, home. Yeah. But he, how about this for a story? So I even quoted this on Twitter to make sure I captured the essence yeah. of the moment. So when Craig Smith got that penalty... He goes to the penalty box. My daughter, uh, Mia, says, what happened, Mommy? And my wife says, number 15 was a bad boy, and he, <laughs> and he, and he had to sit in timeout for two minutes. So Mia's response goes, oh, that's not too bad. I've been in timeout for longer than that. 
And that is while we're in our seats oh, and everybody so around us just turns around and starts like, laughing hysterically. Oh, that's so good. I'm like, yep. Uh, so that's my kid. Now, were they too <laughs> oh, man. Were they too young to take to get like Flyers games? Is yes. it just kind of they were oh, too yeah. young? Yeah. So is this their first hockey game of any kind? Yeah, but second time in the arena. Okay. They went to like a Disney on Ice thing two right, weeks right, right. ago. But never seen a, an actual hockey Correct. game. And certainly the Predators do a fantastic job of putting on a great product um, in, in that building. We, we've we've talked about that forever. So that that's pretty cool that, that they're all in on everything. And, and like the opening – here's a couple of questions. Was uh, What did the – did the video get get you hyped? Did, the, did they like the video and all the oh, highlights yeah. and everything? Oh, yeah. And then uh, Olivia says to me, she goes – so can, can I watch the game and then watch the? Is that the same thing up on the TV, like pointing up to yeah. the new jumbotron? I'm like, yeah, they're, it's it's simultaneous. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Was there was uh was PK Subban in the highlight video? I didn't think I saw him. I didn't see it. Didn't see him in there. No, just pointing that out. <laughs> Took PK Subban. A glaring out of that. omission from last season's I, recap. Okay, I was just you know, he was a pretty big member of the team last year. Brother gets no love, man. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I'm saying, I think it's pretty cool that they're they're so into it, and they will be indoctrinated so fast because both mine are pretty young and, and even younger than yours, and they like they have no concept of what they're watching. The fact nope. that the fact that you could explain timeout to your daughter as what a penalty is is pretty cool. <laughs> no, I've been in timeout far longer than that. <laughs> I I slash my sister all the time. Yeah, um, so that, that's pretty cool, um, and, and that's that's got to be a special moment as a parent to take take your kids to a game like that opening night hang a banner all that cool stuff um would have been cooler to see the the comeback win because banners again you know, they, they dropped uh, another central division well, they, won a, they won a central division championship every yeah, every team in the, the history of banners, divisions count every single team in the history of every sport puts yeah. a puts a banner up for a division title if I'm, I'm, if I'm they only got flack for the what yeah. the, the president's trophy right no well they got flack for the western conference championship yeah. banner which means you went to the stanley cup but lost but mm. Every other team in the NHL does that too, so yeah. it's not. Uh, this, I'm this, like, man, I'm done with. It. If we don't win the Stanley, or we don't win a Super Bowl or something. Don't drop no banners. Don't drop no trophies. We ain't dropping it until we. Well, win before the big you time. win a cup, you got to win a division. Well, unless you're going to go that. the wild card. Well, they already done that. All I know is if my we've been there, done that. If the Mets, my, if the Mets win the NL East, they put a pennant up in the stadium every time, and I'm fine with it. I, I well, got you're no. a Mets fan. You're starved for exactly. anything. Exactly. I mean, y'all. You won plenty of divisions. Y'all, y'all haven't won mouse. anything. So <laughs> y'all hadn't won anything. So y'all starving for anything y'all can get. Uh, who are, uh, who are you? You can't talk trash. My Tigers have won. My Tigers have won a World Series. Oh, your Tigers. Here we go. When they won one, man, back in '85. Exactly. That's a year before the Mets won one. It doesn't matter. We won one. <laughs> we won. We got one, okay? one in '86. What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> but we don't put up banners like y'all, man. Everybody puts no, up banners. No more banners. I'm a outlaw. I'm gonna write. A, I'm gonna write something to our um, our um, local constituents, Con- yeah. congressman, congressman <laughs> governor. No more banner hanging unless you win the championship. <laughs> uh, I will say there was one. You got to fill the rafters somehow. There was one cool addition to the game. Now they did show from the Vandy Hospital. A kid lead a cheer, a kid oh, who obviously cool. couldn't be there. Yeah. And so this kid, Sophie, last night, basically led the cheer from the Vandy Hospital. Yeah, and that was, that was absolutely it, awesome. It was, it was, was live. It, yeah, it was live, yeah. too. And that's going to be a tearjerker every game. Every home game, that's going to be a tearjerker. That's so cool. that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. All right, Preds fans, if you want to jump in, 615-737-1025, the number 737 
1025. We will come back. You'll hear from Peter LaViolette, Matt Duchesne, and Roman Yossi. Uh, and then a lot of football to get to as well today. Uh, Vols in Georgia, Titans and Bills. We've got Josh Ward's going to join us, Teron Davenport, and also the first installment of Terry Crisp. Crispy's back for his weekly uh, spot. Yes. Coming up in just about two and a half hours. Stay there. It's Morning Drive. We're back after this on ESPN 1025 The Game. It's been great. Uh, such a good guy. Obviously, obviously the most important thing helps us on the ice a lot. But uh, he's, uh, he's a great teammate and seems to fit in this team really well. Uh, it's been, at least he keeps saying that it's been easy. Easy to come in and uh, and and join the, join our team and locker room and um, uh, and that's how we feel too. He's been he's already you know I feel like with his experience and um, with his skill he's he's one of the leaders automatically. And that was Pecorine talking about the newly acquired Matt Duchesne who made his National Predators debut last night. To the tune of three assists. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace Marquise, live this morning from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. Predators win 5-2 to two last night, so they kick off the season with two points, with a bang. They get the victory. We will take your calls, 737-1025. I, I thought overall uh, the atmosphere was, was pretty darn good. Um, first seven, eight minutes or so, the game a little choppy, obviously, with the review, with the goal, and you know the just over- the first ten minutes of a season. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I would say close to capacity. There was a few scattered seats, but really uh, not that many, especially up top. I mean, up top it was full. Uh, we were in the lower bowl, uh, but by and large, you know, pretty good atmosphere. It, it looked very. It looked it looked packed on on TV for sure. Um, special night, of course. I know D is trying to outlaw hanging banners, but you get to celebrate a division championship. It's only the second time in history that the fans have gotten a chance to do that. So that was cool. And then I think everybody just totally focused on, on Matt Duchesne. There's certainly some second-tier focus, right, on Kyle Turris. I think a lot of focus on Dante Fabro. I mean, you know, Rocco Grimaldi out there now in, in more of a full-time role than he was last year. So there's some some new-ish pieces that are interesting, and certainly Turris is a, is a – Talking point, the line combinations, we'll get to that. But by and large, everybody that you sort of wanted to see, again, one out of 82 is, you know, you got what you wanted to see last night, which is Matt Duchesne creating offense, Kyle Turris creating offense and chances. Um, you know, Dante Fabro doing his job by and large for the most part. You know, Pekka with just two spectacular saves on on Zucker. And so it just, uh, you know, you, you kind of a workmanlike third period where you, you're, you're trailing and you show up and you collect your two points and you go about your business and – you know, you move on your way. So I think a very good overall performance last night, and the crowd looked great. And um, the crowd had some thoughts about some intermission experiences, I, I, I hear, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> if we want to get into that. <laughs> Ooh, the uh, the pedaling? Yeah, I guess there was something that resembled a pedal tavern on the ice, I guess, in, in the intermission, and I guess it got booed. Well, by, and, by and, the then, fans. and then now technically so. they scored goals right after, so now it's going to become a thing oh, that yeah, where yeah. the pedal tavern is good luck for the and Preds. It's not a pedal tavern, right? Because that's a like a company, and they're in anyway. It's a it's a it's a device that resembles a pedal tavern, right? Yeah, along those lines. We should have D. Mason Marquise go on one on the ice. Hell no. Nah. 
We do like a show called Brothers on Ice. Uh, hell no, <laughs> Brothers man. on Ice. Yeah. I don't see. I, I don't think I see many brothers on them damn t- pedal tavern things, man. There's not a lot. I of could dudes. be wrong. Not a lot of dudes in yeah, general. Yeah, not a lot of dudes in general. I, I, I haven't really seen no brothers be exactly. looking, looking at you pedaling. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't. I just don't. I, I get it. So it's like what I, females like, twenty five to forty five. Let's see where he goes with this. I get it. I, I get. I, I get the whole. You know, you make capitalistic society, you make money however you're going to make money. I get it. It's legal. You do it. Yeah. Thankfully, Woo! no one has ever gotten hurt. Woo! I think but we should deal. Demons, I think we should do it. Call it bro- <laughs> Brothers on Tavern. Have a bottle of Hennessy and I'll just be peddling. <laughs> what a bottle of Hennessy in my hand. You can bring whatever you want, I think, on those. Now, maybe not on the on the one with the Preds. Yeah. But listen, people want to go out on the ice in the intermission. That's a cool That's a cool thing to do. I just think it's funny that Nashvillians booed it. Because, because they don't like it. They, well, they don't like it in real life. Like yes. it, out there on the streets, they're sort of annoying. Uh, but that, I thought that was funny. I chuckled when I when I started seeing that on I Twitter. I wonder who decided to say, booing. you know what, let's, let's put a replica of one of these pedal things on ice and the, see how it goes. The, the Nashville Predator. Yeah. Here's what we should do. Let, let's get a... People want to be on the ice in intermission. During you know? an intermission, let's get a scooter race on ice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Give him some snow tires. <laughs> Can you imagine Chase McCabe riding a scooter on ice? Oh, my goodness. They would have to sign 20 waivers. I, I would spend... I would spend lower bowl money uh, to watch that. I would that. love that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> all right, so we had uh, some uh, some pr- productivity last night on all three lines. Let's hear from the head coach, Peter LaViolette, post-game on how he thought those lines played. I, I thought all the lines played really well. Um, there was a good balance. I thought that Dutchie's line, um, they were dangerous at times. Um, you know, the, Phil had a lot of pucks to the net. Uh, they all chipped in offensively. Um, Dutchy with some nice plays and nice helpers. So, I mean, I thought, you know, for the first showing in a regular season game, they were good. And I would think that the chemistry would, would build from there. Okay, so two quick things. <laughs> we'll get to what we just heard in a second. But if we're going to sit here and talk about, well, who should be on the first line, who should be on the second line, if we keep getting production like this out of both of them, does it really matter? You have a top six and a bottom six. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that's, listen, that's what, that's what LaViolette's point was to us yesterday. Um, you know, we when we talked to David Poyle on Smashville Live on Wednesday night. He said the same thing. Everyone's going to toe the line on this because, again, I, I actually think it's true. When you move Forsberg, quote unquote, down with with Matt Duchesne, you know, th- with Granlund, that that is for a lot of teams that would be your first line: Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, and, and Mikhail Granlund. That that's a first line for many teams. So it is sort of a one A and a one B, and it's not necessarily a one and a two. It's about getting scoring from more than one. It doesn't matter how it happens, and so. Last night was a great example of that. Even again, I'll, even Kyle Turris was fairly active last night, um, creating offense and, and moving around. I thought interesting that he was playing center, even though the entire preseason we were talking about him playing wing mm-hmm. and moved him right back to center. That part was interesting, but yeah, I mean, good good it, balance and scoring last night. It's like a I, I equate it to um, a relay race, whether it be you know the four by one, uh, four by four, um, you stagger your your runners uh based upon you know the strength you know you, you usually uh in a four by one you you put a certain guy one and then you know your two middle guys are usually your strong guys and then your your last guy is usually that guy that can just take get that burst and phew, or if you got a lead he can maintain a lead and that's how i see 
this how, how they're kind of putting together this line. Um, yes, you you drop you know Johansson down um, uh, with 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 Duchesne, but it's okay. We we have enough really good players that we can start off with. Say if we start up with the, with the first line is they're strong, but our second line is stronger. So if we get a goal, we can maintain a goal and score more goals with the second line. So it's all about how do you stagger based upon the teams you're going to play. Like if we're we're good playing our first line with someone else's top first line, but then when they cycle out, our second line is much better than this is much better than their second line. You're continually applying pressure. It, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Um, can we can we get to one more thing out of that soundbite there? Yeah, because because yeah. here's my question: uh, Are we going to hear Chase McCabe refer to Matt Duchesne as Dutchy for the rest <laughs> of his life? Because I know C Mace will call him Dutchy, and like that's okay. He's a former player, right? Like he, you know, coaches Crispy can call him Dutchy. Like it's, Chase can't. I don't think in a professional setting, no. if if he walks up in post game interview. And Maccabee walks up with a microphone. He's like, uh, "Hey, hey, hey, Dutchy, uh, just wanted to see, how, you know, how no, you, voice is lower, voice is oh, lower." Is yeah. Oh, D- Dutchy, just uh, how how did you feel like that line played in Game One <laughs> in Smashville? I think, <laughs> I think it's much. Hey, Dutchy, hey, Dutchy. <laughs> and then and then he, Matt gives a great answer, uh-huh. and then Case follows up with another good question. Well, uh, Dutchy, what did you think of the crowd? Uh, your first time ever in Smashville. <laughs> he can and then Matthew Shane probably gives a very good answer. He cannot call you him can't Dutchy, call him Dutchy, right? Not even on the show. Not even when you're okay. interviewing him. No Dutchy reference. Nobody. So here, here's what I want. Only C. Mace and maybe Willie. What, but nobody how, else. How Gill can go Dutchy. How, yeah, how, how Gill. Hal and Crispy. For, and, former players, yeah. employees of the Preds, uh-huh. teammates, Minus coaching Darren staff. and everybody. Yeah, my, minus Darren. Here's the yeah. thing. We need our audience. 1025 The Game audience, you guys are spectacular. We've asked you for Twitter accounts in the past, and you've delivered. We've asked for all kinds of stuff, you know, graphic design work with Chase McCabe photoshopped onto Keith Urban's body. It's, it, well, Keith Urban was at the game last night. Yeah, and, and like really fun guy, but could not get a word in because the, there was no stoppages during the game. Anyway, um, I, I want our audience to berate Chase McCabe on his show <laughs> if he says if he calls him Dutchy on the air. If he says yes. if, if if they're doing analysis today between ten and two p.m. ten a.m. and two p.m. and he's talking about how Dutchie had three assists last night, I want our audience to tweet his ass so hard <laughs> and tell him he needs to stop now, using Dutchie. What, what if Chase McCabe decides to go into Jeff Fisher mode and he says, "Well, you know, I thought Dutchie had a good game. You know, Dutchie's a good kid. Good, good player. Good player. Three assists. Dutchie, three apples." <laughs> oh my goodness. If he says that together, no. He's outlaw. He's banned from radio. If so, he says that together, he's banned from radio. Three apples. <laughs> Don't you have three apples? No, Chase, excuse me, Chase. stop. Chase, you're fired. Okay. I want our audience cuz so cuz Chase is not up listening right now. He was up he was working last night at the game. So he's uh-huh. you know, he's working hard and he does a great job except for when he uses players' nicknames and he's not listening to us right now. So I want our audience to surprise attack him. With, no, 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 no! You can't use. What do you? Who's this Dutchy guy? Like <laughs> ambush his mentions. I want you to. I want you to attack his menchies. Just go hard after those menchies. Exactly, hard, hard as you can. Uh, let's get a Fred's call in here. Seven three seven one zero two five. Corey in Nashville. Your own morning drive. Go ahead, Corey. Um, 
instead of the pedal, pedal tavern, they need to have broom ball from people from the audience or from the stands. That would be awesome. Um, but as far as the Predators go, I thought they moved the puck a lot crisper. There's a lot more effort. The thing that kind of frustrates me is that um, if this had been their effort and their play at the end of last year, who knows what could have happened. And, yeah, bringing in one guy can make that difference, but I, don't, I think there's something else going on with that, and I just thought that was something worth discussing. Well, I mean, the effort should be there. It's opening yeah, night, it's right? First night game of the season. It's, you get a long summer. It's something, you I can't mean, get hyped last night. Like. There's a difference between the first game of the season and basically the end of the season into yeah. the playoffs. Games 86 and 7. Yeah, your body is beat down, and you're trying to muster every ounce of energy you can for the playoffs. And usually you can, but I, I, I would never you know, say, well, you know, they need to play with the energy they did in the first game of the season. Well, that's different. That energy is totally different. That energy only lasts for that one game. Yeah, like it'll be different next time out. Yeah, it's just, and it it changes. And and that is the challenge. I think that's one of the biggest challenges of hockey and and the coaching staff of any hockey team is trying to, you know, Derek, you talk about this all the time with football. Your your goal is to compete with your own standard that you set for your own expect. Like we're going to go out and we're going to compete at this level every single football game. And I think that is one of the most difficult things in hockey, 82 times a year, to go out and try to compete at the highest level every single night is just very, very difficult in hockey. I can't imagine what it would be like for 162 games in baseball, but you have to bring a. It's just, it's you're going to have lulls. It's just the way it goes. And so it, that you know, game one opening night, you should play hard. That, like that's game 52 on a Wednesday against you know like Ottawa. Like you know, I don't know. Does that get people? You know, there's that's a tougher sell to to, to athletes sometimes. So you know. It is what it is. All right, Titans Talk is coming up at 7 o'clock this morning as we get set for the Bills as they come to Nashville on Sunday. But before we get to Sunday, we got to get through Saturday. And to get through Saturday, you got to deal with the Georgia Bulldogs at Neyland Stadium. Our buddy Josh Ward's going to join us from WNML in Knoxville when we come back. Stay there. It's Morning Drive, ESPN, 102.5 game. Welcome back into Morning Drive, 6.33, live here on a football Friday. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise with you. Let's talk some Vols. Let's talk some dogs. Tomorrow, 6 o'clock Central Time, ESPN nationally televised kick. Georgia rolls into Neyland Stadium, boys, as a 25-point road favorite. Um, Are Tennessee fans excited that it's on national TV? No, because nah. beatdowns like that should not be televised. <laughs> yeah, but it will be. And and I know unless unless I've missed some news in the last couple of hours, uh, I'm pretty sure Jeremy Pruitt still has like the open competition going at quarterback. Which if you're going to insert your your freshman quarterback into the lineup, I, I get doing it during the bye week. That makes sense to get him two weeks of preparation. It doesn't make sense to do it against the Georgia Bulldogs defense. So that that is a, 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 a we'll find out what what's going to happen with the quarterback situation because I don't think we know again unless I missed well, a piece of news in the last few hours. At least he didn't go to Jay Gruden route when asked if you got a quarterback, what you going to do with your quarterback? Uh, we don't have a quarterback. <laughs> Jay Gruden said that we don't wow. have a quarterback. Yeah, well, must feel nice. To he Tino. said that. <laughs> Boy, if you're Dwayne Haskins, you're probably like, well, didn't you guys just draft me pretty high? He act, he said we don't have a quarterback. So at least. Uh, Pruitt didn't say, "Hey, we don't have a quarterback. <laughs> we evaluated." No, he was too busy. He was too busy berating police officers. Yeah. Yes, um, and that'll be an issue. But like, I I think it's as simple as this: Georgia's offensive line is going to pulverize yeah. Tennessee's front seven. But what what makes you think Tennessee's defensive front is going to hold up in any way, shape, or form? Like what what? So like, we're, I know we're going to talk Auburn 
You know how when you think about a game and you're trying to analyze a game and you're trying to analyze strengths and weaknesses and matchups, and I know this is Georgia-Tennessee, it's a huge point spread, it's not really close, but there's always, even in a close game, there's always just one thing that sticks in your mind, right? When you're trying to figure out a game, whether it's a player or a matchup or a unit on a team or a coach or whatever, there's always just that one thing that like sort of sways you into making, you know, thinking one way about a game. And with Auburn and Florida, I'll give you that one thing coming up next, but with Tennessee... There's just, like, uh, every single thing you can talk about, you will eventually come back to the Georgia offensive line. And you're just going to say, all right, you could talk yourself into Jawan Jennings and, and making some big plays down the field. You know, if an athletic quarterback is inserted into the lineup, could they maybe make some plays? They played valiantly in the third quarter against Georgia last year. This team is at home. They've had a week to buy. You could talk yourself into all the reasons why you might like your chances to pull an upset or play better than you think this weekend. And every single time you should work your way back to how in the hell are you going to stop Georgia's offensive line? Because I just don't think you can. I, I think there's maybe five or six or seven teams in America that have a defensive front capable of stopping Georgia's offensive line. And Tennessee ain't one of them. This is going to, <laughs> this is going to be the football version of the purge. <laughs> oh, my God. Like people are going to die? They're just going to eat them alive. It's just going to be oh, a massacre. Even though I said that I, I think Tennessee covers, I think they lose by 21, not 25. But I think it's just going to be, it's going to be bad. It, I'm, it, I'm interested to see what the crowd looks like. The, but but think that's about, what if, I'm if, interested. If if, if, if twenty thousand empty seats, if there's how much twenty, there, how many empty? Yeah, I think it's interesting. If there's twenty thousand empty seats, then Houston, we have a problem. Well, so now there's been about twenty thousand empty seats in the first couple of games. What I'm saying at first, so. Georgia. I mean, this is even though I mean, not many. No one thinks UT is going to win, but still, if you can't, if you don't, as a UT fan, student, alum, whatever. If you don't want to go to this game, at least this game, you know it's going to be a blowout, but it's Georgia. Go, go. Anything can happen. See, but I'd you rather, I, I would say if I was driving up, you know, like with my kids, I would go to next week's game. But it's just the I would tailgate and everything. I would rather, like if, if Michigan State had a bad team, if they're playing Michigan, I'm going. If they're playing Ohio State, I'm going. Yeah, because you guys have a chance a, to win. Because it's a, I know what I'm saying. <laughs> if, if we were like UT and had a, you know, just had a bad, like two right. years ago. We're three and nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm still going to those games, especially early on in the season. Uh, I can see if it's like the ninth game of the season, then yes. Yeah, but again, it's hard to compare Michigan. I know you know you're you're using your. It's Mark D'Antonio's had largely a very good program. It's like it's just the state of affairs of where Tennessee uh-huh. is mentally. You know, as a, as a fan base, fifteen years of this and just the up and down and the bad and the bad and the worse and the awful and you know, lack of this and lack of that and all the silly things Pruitt says in the media or does that's not really related to how good he is as a football coach, but it never really sits well when he says those things. And they're not Butch Jones-isms. They're not cliches. They're just sort of misspeaks um, and, and sort of goofy. I, again, I, I just if – I'm if I'm taking my family up to Knoxville to go to a game, I'm saving my money for next week for either Mississippi State or South Carolina in a couple of weeks. I'm not I'm, – I'm sure as hell not going to the Alabama game. I'm not going to the Georgia game. I don't want to, There's no point. I don't see the reason. So, And the traveling circus that is the Georgia Bulldogs right now, starting a couple of years ago when they went to Notre Dame and bought almost every ticket at Notre Dame, they are now traveling with unbelievable force. But I'm letting, letting, I would see a lot of – I think there's going to be a lot of red. I think there's going to be a lot of empty seats. And by the third quarter, if there's 60,000 people in that building, I'd be surprised, and that is a bad okay, look on I a coach. I can understand third and fourth quarter. But if I'm a Vol lover – I am not letting the dogs come in here and 
just take over the stadium. Now, Vandy, again, Vandy fans just yeah, Vandy don't care. I mean, they laid down. I mean, said, Here you go. hell, I mean, Innsworth could have took over their stadium. Okay, it's, <laughs> wow. it's just and it has nothing to do, and that's not on the team, right? Because even when they're winning, yeah, no, they don't right. show up. You're right. But what I'm saying is, I can see, like you said, third quarter, fourth quarter, if they're getting blown out, people are leaving. I get that, but to start the game off. I don't think you can't let them overtake your stadium to start the game off. But what may I mean? I, listen, I, your your point is a hundred percent right. Like you're right. If you're a Tennessee fan, be proud of your 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 fandom and show up for your team. Like mm-hmm. I agree. But what what is Tennessee giving you in exchange yeah. for that? What what have they given you in the last you know whatever like two or three years, mm-hmm. in, including the Butch Jones last year, even the the Butch Jones year when they were good and they choke against South Carolina and they. They get beat by Vanderbilt. Like what? What? What, is the, what have they given you to say? You know what? I'm still going to keep showing up, and, I'm, and we're going to keep taking our beatings on the field every single time against good teams. What? Why? why? Think, I, I would save my money. Think. Think about this dynamic. Last year, Tennessee went into Athens, and it was somewhat respectable in the second half. It was a 14 to 17 point deficit. Yeah, and then Georgia kind of pulled away. The, in the it, but, but Tennessee was kind of hanging around midway through the third quarter yeah. on the road against what I would say was probably a better Georgia team last year considering the NFL talent that they lost. Maybe. We'll from see. the skill standpoint. Well, I mean, I, you know how much I like Georgia this year, so Georgia but might end up being better this year. This we'll year, the, the margin of victory for Georgia could be bigger yeah. on the road in Knoxville at least from my perspective of, I think maybe Georgia's a tad below than what they were last year at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's that's all fair. and Which is a big indictment on where Jeremy Pruitt has his team yeah. through four weeks. I mean, I, I agree. And again, what what is it that you're, like, just just be smart with your money. Most people don't go to every single game. And and yesterday, so yesterday, we were at the golf tournament. Um, thank you, Nick, for coming out. Ourkidscenter.com, by the way. Um, we're, we're at, uh, there's a silent auction there, and they're Tennessee-Georgia tickets. Mm-hmm. And I'm with a... One of my close buddies who is a Tennessee alum. And we're walking around looking at the silent auction stuff. I'm trying to get myself some Yeti coolers, okay? And it didn't work out because some guy just came down and bought every single line, which really upset me. I, I, you, know, you know, I can't I can't feel bad when all the money goes to my charity. No. But the guy comes in and goes, there's three Yeti coolers for sale mm-hmm. on, on the, our auction. The guy, One guy comes in and puts his name on the last line on each of them. So he, make, he, put, he puts the maximum bid down. So the other, like I put my name on the top because uh-huh. <laughs> I'm because oh, wow. I'm cheaper. <laughs> so, Two dollars. So anyway, it's great, but I didn't get my stinking Yeti cooler. Anyway, we're looking, we're walking through, and I look at my buddy who's a diehard Tennessee fan who is, you know, bo- born in Knoxville, like evolves all the way. And I go, hey, Georgia, Georgia, Tennessee tickets right here. And he goes, why? Oh wow. <laughs> He's like, why would I do that? Why would I spend money on those? What's the point? And I, I don't blame Tennessee fans for feeling no. that way. Like, Mississippi State, okay, that's different. That's a winnable game that could decide whether or not you have a respectable season or not. South Carolina, winnable game deci- could decide whether or not you have a respectable season. Right now they're a 10-point favorite on Vanderbilt. Okay, you can win that game. There's, there's games that I would go to, and Georgia's just one that would never even cross my mind. I would not spend a single penny on watching that crap. If I, had, if I was an alumni, it, like what like – if I was a fan taking my family up there, why would I spend hundreds of dollars on hotels and tickets and you know all the stuff to 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 sit there at halftime and be down twenty eight to to nothing? Like, what, what's the point of that? Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Vols fans, if you want to jump in, seven three seven one zero two five. We'll come back, continue the college discussion. A big spot for the Vanderbilt Commodores and also a showdown in the swamp. We're back after this on Morning Drive. 647, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise with you. 
Good to have you in. It's a football Friday. We will get to the Tennessee Titans in a heavy dose coming up at 7 o'clock. So we just discussed uh, Tennessee, Georgia, and the biblical beatdown. That is all in all likelihood going to happen Saturday night. But we've got a good one tomorrow in the swamp. Oh, can't wait. Here's the question with Florida against Auburn. Auburn has already played Oregon, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State. They still have to play LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. <laughs> so they're like at the ready to turn to the back nine of this gauntlet stretch of scheduling. Is the swamp where they stumble? I mean, it's certainly possible. Um, and if you if you are one of these people that pays attention to gambling spreads for sort of fan um, or, or, or you know professional sort of insight, not to gamble itself. And, and Nick, you can explain this maybe better than I can. It started as a pick 'em. Now it's Auburn minus what two and a half, minus three, which means everybody's on the Tigers. So that that would scare me if I'm if I'm an Auburn fan. I think Auburn's the better football team right now. Um, and like we were talking about with Tennessee, you can talk Bo Nix, you can talk Todd Grantham pressuring a freshman quarterback in the swamp, and that being a really big stage for him. And Todd Grantham's probably going to have a lot of really complex blitz schemes that's going to really put pressure on Bo Nix to make plays. The Florida Gator defense is great. You know, all this stuff, Kyle Trask has been throwing the ball well, but every single thing I think about with this game all comes back to how in the hell is the Florida Gator offensive line going to do anything against that Auburn defensive front? And that, that's why I, I, I eventually land back on that, and I go, Florida's not going to be able to run the ball. They probably are not going to be able to protect the quarterback. How is the Florida Gators going to accomplish anything on offense? And then I end up going, okay, I, got, I guess I'll pick Auburn then. Is it that? Is it? Is that too simple? No, nah, not really. It's a league of the trenches, right? I mean, yeah, but it's it's you know the advantage to have it's at home um, for for Florida. Um, Florida's defense is one of the better defense in in the country, um, but they're going against another really good defense in Auburn. Um, I think the 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 way they win this game is if. Ty Grantham puts enough. He doesn't have to put consistent pressure on Bo Nix, but he has to put it on him at the right time. Um, I don't think you can, because this young man has proven that, you know, you can't consistently, one, you can't consistently put your corners on the island, even though Florida has some really good corners. But I think eventually it's one play that's going to be made. And the kid shows he can make those plays. I think what you got to do is you got to confuse him. You got to make him read the defense. You can't just say, you know what, I'm going to blitz him and I'm going to put my uh, my corners on an island. He's just going to throw the ball up, and then it becomes a 50-50 ball. It's easier to read for him. But when you mix in these zone blitzes, these jack blitzes, everything else to make him read the field, that's where it becomes very difficult for a guy like Bo Nix. He wants you to blitz him and leave him one-on-one some, outside. So, some people are thinking that Auburn's offense has now been unlocked with Bo Nix. Last week they scored 56. Kyle Trask, the better passer, maybe than Felipe Franks. I'm with you. I, I think this is actually a low-scoring defensive game. I think this is ugly football. Yes, I would take the under on this 100%. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what it is. It's 48. Take take the under. This this oh. screams this screams 17-14, you know, 2017, you know, w- whatever. So just pick a pick a score in that range. That's what this screams. Both defenses are exceptional. 
And, and, and again, to your point, Derek, this is what makes Belichick so great. Mm-hmm. When you think you're about to face one thing, you face a totally different thing. Uh-huh. And that's what Belichick does great. Todd Grantham, you know, he's going to be a little bit more consistent with what he's always done in his career, the defensive coordinator for Florida. But to your point, he, he Bo Nix has been poised. If He hasn't made a lot of plays, but he's been very poised. And he's been on two major stages already. Yeah, Oregon was not a hostile environment because it was a neutral field with a lot of Auburn fans. But it was a big stage. But it was a huge stage, and the, all the country is focused on him. And, and he handled it with relative ease. By the way, you want a great stat? The Oregon Ducks have not allowed a touchdown since the Bo Nix touchdown pass. Which is week one. Which is week one. So the Oregon Ducks defense has, has been very, very good. And Bo Nix kind of rose from a bad first half to really win that game. Then he goes on the road against A&M and plays very well in what is a, a true road hostile environment against the Aggies. And they sort of win that game with relative ease. I think Mississippi State is, 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 could, could be falling apart, so I'm not sure what the win last week. You know, 600 yards of offense, Bo Nix is over 300 yards passing. I'm not sure what that means for him because Mississippi State's they're teetering on the brink here. Um, which is why, if you're a Tennessee fan, you should be excited about that matchup coming up because you might be able to get a win there. I, I just, I still just, I, I just don't know how Florida will find any sustained, successful offensive, you know, progress. Like I don't know how they're going to run the ball. I don't know how they're going to protect the quarterback. You might have to see a lot more Emory Jones in this game because he can actually run around and escape the pressure. I, that that Auburn defense is nasty. Yeah, they're nasty, but I, I think Florida will manage to do some things. Um, this is not the first time they faced a nasty defense. It won't be the last time they face one. They find a way somehow, some way, against good defenses to score touchdowns. How they do it, I don't know. Maybe it's because of you know in the past it was Felipe Franks, but they found ways to score defense uh, touchdowns against good defenses. But I tell you this: if Auburn wins. And say they win by 10 points. Look out, world. <laughs> I'm telling you, look out, SEC. If they win this game and it's like 10-point win, look out, SEC. But, and all of that's great, but they still have Bama, Georgia, I, I LSU. It, but look it, out, Nick, I'm telling you. Not it's even Auburn. close to this yeah, tough. It they build it enough matter, confidence, man. If they get this game in a swamp, oh, it'll be there, the, it's the oh best resume goodness. in America there, right now. There is no other team in America where I would just blindly say, yep, they're going to win the whole thing. Like, they're the only team in America that can do this. A, f- a freshman quarterback with a – this is like the St. Louis Blues. This is a true freshman quarterback with a coach on the hot seat. And, you know, yes, they have one of the best defenses in America. No question. But, uh, again, it, the, the play calling looks more like Gus Malzahn is back at home and in, in feeling comfortable with play calling. He's got a poised quarterback who's a legacy, who's an Auburn legend already because in his first game he threw the game-winning touchdown pass with 19 seconds to go. He goes on the road and beats A&M. Like, this is what Auburn does. Like, this, we tried to tell you this in the summertime, that Auburn is either going to go 6-6 six and six or they're going to win the whole stinking thing. And right now, they're 5-0, and oh, and they're favored on the road against Florida. And so, it, it, again, if, if they come out of this game with a win, and they're 6-0, and oh, and they have road wins over A&M in Florida and a neutral site win over Oregon, yeah. we're just going to go, I think you just throw your hands up and go, All right, good luck. Because Auburn does this. This is what they do. Speaking of being on the road, Vandy's on the road this week, a seven-point dog as they go to Ole Miss. And Joe Rexrode, when we had him on yesterday for his weekly spot, was talking about how Derek Mason needs to win this game. And, And I just look at it from the standpoint of the way Ole Miss showed a couple of flashes last week, and I know you get up for Alabama and you try to give them your best shot. Whether it's Matt Corral or the kid who started that quarterback last week, I think Vandy's in for another rough one. 
Plummet, Plummet, John, John, John Reese Plumley, I believe. Yeah. Is his name, no like relation that. to Miles and Mason. Yeah. Um, seven point four three, <laughs> seven point four yards per play on defense allowed by Vanderbilt. Seven point four yards per play. That is one hundred and twenty ninth. The only team worse than them is UMass. Vanderbilt has the second worst defense in America. Oh wow, that is unacceptable. Good job, Andy. And and I listen. Jason Tarver might be back with the Raiders pretty soon. Ole Miss isn't much better, by the way. They're 90th in the nation in in defensive yards for efficiency. Um, there's just not now. They've got a couple of nice receivers. Um, Ole Miss does with Sanders is back down the lineup and. Um, Elijah Moore is a pretty good player. Their running game, they've got three or four guys that can run the football. You know, Listen, if they line up and run the football the way they want to, Ole Miss, and the way they kind of did against Cal in a pretty tough game, actually, I, I don't – this is not a game Vandy's supposed to win, and that's a problem because normally Ole Miss and Vandy's a very interesting game. It's been very dynamic. It's been high scoring. It's been fun to watch, evenly matched over the years. And if, if Ole Miss lines up and runs the football and just dominates that Derrick Mason defense, I, I have major concerns about where this, this team is headed, Vandy. Because right now, again, they're a 10-point underdog to Tennessee. Mm. It doesn't mean they're not going to win, but like that's, that's where Vegas is telling you where this Vanderbilt program is, is, is right now. All right, we will come back and kick off the 7 o'clock hour with all things Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills. And as the Black Eyed Peas once said, I've got a feeling, a good feeling. I'll explain why next here on Morning Drive.